Hello, welcome to the Grand Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is Dave Harris. Hello. And Mikey Breslin. Hello. So what's the Grand Podcast all about? When every week, three mates get together to discuss and debate the world of football. What are we going to be talking about this week? This week? Oh, I'm already there. I'm already there, boys. We're talking about Leeds this week, or as I like to call it, the league. But before all that, Dave, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Good, thanks, yeah. Tell you what, how are you, Bruce? Get us that. Yeah, good thanks. Yeah, good thanks. Thanks. Do you not want to elaborate, Dave? How are you, Will? Well, I'm, I'm okay. just happy that I've been called by my name on one of these episodes for the first time in about nine or ten of them. So, yeah, that, ladies and gentlemen, if you have any more nicknames you'd like to share with the podcast, please email us at inaroundpod at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, please don't. <laughs> anyway. Uh, we're going to talk about Leeds this week after a week of fantastic recruitment for them, including the signing of Valencia striker Orrigo, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, for £30 million pounds, or Euros, who knows. Um, and they've also signed some bloke called Coke from Freiburg. He's apparently a really good player, but Dave's going to tell me more about that. And then after that, we'll ch- chat a bit about the Community Shield, <laughs> talk about um, Mikel Arteta taking home another trophy. This is the start of the Arsenal revolution. Who knows? I can hope not. Um, and then we're going to chat a little bit more about Donny Van Beek. So, ladies and gentlemen, Leeds, where are we thinking they're going to finish next season? Well, we can't give that away because it's yeah, going yeah. <laughs> to be a special podcast. I'll give it away for you, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be top half. Um, so, Rodrigo, um, a hell of a signing, a bit of a statement. So, obviously playing the Champions League for Valencia last year. Um, he's one of those players that you would was linked with Barcelona last January. Well, what well, that says about him, I don't know. But it's a bit Wasn't of a, everyone linked with Barca last January. The Rodrigo or Martin Braithwaite, I know which one I'd rather have. <laughs> that just. <laughs> but anyway, that being said, um, Leeds clearly one of the questions before after they won promotion was: Is Patrick Bamford good enough to step up and score goals in the Premier League now? Big Bamford fans on the pod here. But, Mike, this is certainly a step up from Patrick, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is a clear up de- upgrade. I was, I was pretty surprised, uh, to be honest, that, I, that they were actually able to get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Valencia are having a bit of a sell-off, so everyone's available. Um, but to com- convince a, a guy with 22 caps for Spain to come and play for Leeds first year in the Prem, Mm-hmm. It's a sign of intent, to be fair. It is, definitely um, is. It's certainly an upgrade on Bamford, as much as we like Bamford for all he does, and Bielsa as well, for all he does uh, for the team. He, he just doesn't score enough goals, and it's going to be difficult for them to compete with just him up there. So now they've got options, obviously Bamford and Rodrigo. I imagine Rodrigo walks straight into the starting spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but an option like Bamford off the bench... It doesn't look too bad now, really. No, no. Um, Dave, for a promoted club, um, the big question everyone always asks is, um, are they going to score enough goals? Um, Leeds clearly fixing a problem ahead of the season here. Do you like this signing? Or have you got um, different thoughts about it? No, I think I think it's a pretty good signing. Um, I think with Leeds, their problem has been that they always manage to create a lot of chances, but maybe like Bamford or Tyler Roberts, the other player they were playing up top most of the time, they're not really clinical enough. 
Uh, and yeah. as we've seen with so many teams in the Premier League, you know, Norwich with Cameron Jerome giving him so many chances and he just didn't finish them. It will get you relegated. You, it's very rare a team that... Yeah, come on, everyone remembers Jerome at Norwich. He couldn't finish anything. I remember but Jerome's they were creating, they were creating challenges. challenges? But he was <laughs> challenging them. They were creating chances for him. Um, to get an approving goal scorer like Rodrigo, I think is... It's good, and I think he'll complement the way they play. Mm-hmm. Leeds going forward are usually mm-hmm. quite pacey anyway. Uh, and Bamford's sort of been... Like, Bamford's not slow, but he's definitely not a quick player. So having like almost like a target man in the middle of two pacey wingers, maybe they've decided they'd rather just have a, a quicker front three. Um, and Rodrigo is, well, he's just hell of an upgrade on, on who... I'd say he's probably the best player in their squad at the moment now. Yeah, really. So Rodrigo is a bit of a, a weird player that he's um as he's as much as uh, a, he's sort of one of those in betweens. He's not he's a striker, but he's also a wide player. He's if you look at his if you look at his goal record, um, it's not great in Spain. He's only in I think it was seventeen eighteen. He's got he got about sixteen goals, and last year he scored four with seven assists. Now I think it's probably used to put in the context that Valencia was so bad, and that. They had, I think, the the expected goals is is around one, and whereas you, when you look at Leeds, they average like, I think, over over fifteen has got shots a game, and they have a a much better xG. So he's probably going from a system where he didn't get a lot of chances and he had to finish them well to a system that's going to provide him with a lot of chances. So what you would say there is, um, you would say that he's probably going to see a rise in the amount of goals he scores. But the problem for him, lads, is um, he can't stay fit. No. He's, he's, got, he's not got the best injury record. And when he has stayed fit, he's been a very good player. But he's 29, 30 million. Although it's a coup, it also represents a risk, Mike. And are you expecting promoted clubs like Leeds to be taking these kind of risks? Or do you think they have to take these kind of risks now? Um. I think for a club like Leeds, you, you, I don't know if this is necessarily was in their plan, but when he became available, mm. uh, they decided that they were going to go for him. I think a, a club like Leeds are probably in a better position to take more risks than. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we've spoke about Norwich on this podcast before. Yeah. Not really taking the risk. Um, I think the fa- the Leeds fan base would have expected some names coming in. Maybe not mm. of this pedigree, um, mm. but yeah, I think it's I think it's a good a good move, as we've said. Um, and I'm just waffling here, so can someone help me out? <laughs> so right, I'll help you out. In terms of how, in terms of Rodrigo, um, I saw him play against us in the Champions League last year, and what struck me is that he um, carries the ball well. Um, and you think about Marcelo Bielsa's leads, you think you think about the possession football. They're also an absolute terror on the counter. Mm-hmm. Um, in Dave, as you mentioned, with Bamford perhaps being decently suited for the system, but if Rodrigo is that counter-attacking wep- extra weapon on the counter for Leeds, do you reckon that they're much better set up to not become the one-dimensional team we were worried that they could be? Yes. However, I am also worried that because of an ageing Pablo Hernandez, mm-hmm. they play Rodrigo out wide and stick with Bam 
Bamford through the middle because he works so well in that system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think the thing is with Leeds, uh, like they've got a big fan base. I think they'd come under pressure from them pretty early doors if things didn't go well. I think if Rodrigo doesn't really start scoring goals if he's playing through the middle, uh, they'd probably want Bamford back in the team. Um, I don't know. I think I did think when they made this signing that it would make actually probably more sense to play Rodrigo in the front three out yeah. wide instead of Pablo Hernandez and stick to Bamford and at least give him a chance. Yeah, he's particularly like, he, he really complements what they do. He allows pretty much all the other players to play off him. And if you take that out of the game, uh, it would be weird for them to try and play without him when that's the whole whole way they've played with Bielsa. I'm guessing they're going to stick with their style when they when they come up. Oh, yeah. Bielsa yeah. only plays oh, 100%. one way. He only plays one way. How do you think that will translate then? Because the, they've been dominating pretty much every game they play. They've been dominating the ball and the, and the play in the championship. Is that going to... Do you think that will translate? I mean, Norwich were pretty free-scoring in the in the championship, and then were just abysmal this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, th- I think with Leeds, the difference is they have got. It depends how well they have replaced Ben White for me. It depends if this mm-hmm. this guy from Bryrog is actually the real deal because there's a reason they were so keen to get Ben White is because they had a they had a good pairing at the back there. And as much as scoring goals is important, you've got to be able to keep them out as well. Um, that's my worry. That's my worry for Leeds is making sure that the players that they actually bring in are exactly hit. They adapt to Bielsa's very particular style in a way that they can be useful. Because Bielsa is going to have to rotate next year because there's a lot of games, and that high pressing, intense style maybe. Probably be one of those situations where we often see with promoted teams that play a certain way, where they come up, hit the ground running, get into a bit of a rut at Christmas, and then have to start grinding out results. And my only thing is, are Leeds the ones to do that? We've seen questionable mentalities in past seasons with them. The, that's my worry. The squad's really small. Yeah. That's like that. To be fair, my worry with them is their defence. I, I'm not sure how well this defence holds up, as you say, without Ben White. I'm really not sure how much, how good it will be. Um, they are they are quite hard on this guy from Freiburg, Koch or whatever his name. Yeah, is. yeah. yeah. I'm going to confess, I've never seen him play. No, neither. <laughs> neither. From what I hear, oh, but... they are high on him. Um, so yeah, as you say, it'll be interesting to see how he slots into Ben White's shoes, as it were, oh. in that but... back four. I think there's. I think with. I think the thing with Leeds for me is that um, Bielsa is a maverick. He's. I don't. I think he's only got a year left on his contract. We've seen it in the past with him, notably at Marseille. And I know there was off the pitch stuff there. That when the going got tough, Bielsa was like, "Well, put my hands up. I'm going to get out of here." Um, and that's that's my worry is if they're in a rut after Christmas, is he going to stick around? Bring in Alan Pardew. Let's go. Yeah. Well, if you anything like my uh, foot manager Sam Allardyce comes in, they start playing eighteen at the back. <laughs> um, it will be interesting to see yeah, how Bielsa's style translates to the Premier League, and then well. if it doesn't work. Yeah, I was wondering, do you think 
I know it's a small squad, but do you think the 38 games will help them versus 46 in the championship? Yeah, probably. Maybe, except they're going to have a lot more games this season chasing the ball than they've ever had before. Uh, if they're that, like they they don't they never really had a team other than maybe West Brom and Brentford last season that tried to keep the ball as well as they did. If Leeds Leeds against teams like Man City, Liverpool, oh yeah, probably Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal. It's at least 10 games of the season where realistically they're going to have to try and just play more counter-attacking football where they don't see as much of the ball. But they're good at that. Could suit Rodrigo. and It, it and could Rose. suit them. However, their defence yeah. is a defence that isn't really used to being run at. Their defence is used to people whipping the ball into the box. And that's why, that's why Ben White's so important. Lynn Cooper's a good centre-back but he's more what you expect from a championship centre-back where he just goes to win the ball. Ben White was the player that would get the ball on the ground, make some passes that Cooper can't. Without a, a real replacement for Ben White, I'm, I think their yeah, defence could be found out pretty early on, so to be honest. So Bielsa's, in terms of Bielsa's style, I mean, so when they get the ball back, Leeds quick passes into space and they advance quickly. That happens with Leeds. They, I think they scored quite a few goals on the counter last year in the championship. Yeah, but if, that can if happen it was picked up in defence, it goes either to Luke Ayling or Ben White, and Ben White's gone. And Luke White's not. Luke Ayling's not a particularly fast fullback. My okay. thing, my thing with Leeds defence is there's not much pace there. Barry Douglas is great. He's got a great left foot. Wolves came up. He was their left back, but they sold him because they didn't think he was good enough for the Premier League. Luke Ayling's never played in the Premier League either. The, Liam Cooper's, he's a good centre-back, but he's quite slow. Like, if he misreads the ball, he's probably not going to recover, which, again, is why Ben White was so important. I think they really need to strengthen their defence. And I think they only that's actually... That's what done. But, OK. So, with him gone, they literally have five defenders in their squad. They have a back four and one young centre-back. That's it. They don't have any other defenders. Stuart Dallas, who's a left winger. Yeah, but he wasn't massively convincing in the championship. I would never yeah. play him at Prem. Unless, unless you're, all your other full-backs are out, I would not play Stuart Dallas at left-back in the Premier League. Here's my, thing about the, here's my thing about the Premier League. Right. Your top six are incredibly tough. And then you've got Wolves and... Leicester to add to that, for example. Your traditional top six are a tough game out. They're a tough out. And you've got Wolves and Leicester. But oh, they're going to slap Villa and West Brom yeah, this is, points. This, this is my season. thing. A promoted team is... Steve Bruce said it best after he lost 2-0 to Chelsea when he was managing Hull. He said, these aren't the games that define our season. For Bielsa, he doesn't have to beat City, United or Chelsea. Although he might very well do. But he doesn't have to win those games. He has to, he has to beat the lower... League, the lower teams in our league. He has to beat the West Ham's. He has to beat the Everton's. He has to beat the um, the Villas, uh, the West Brom's. And I'm perfectly confident in how weak the, the bottom bit of the league is, and that he can get a result against them. I'm not particularly worried about it, quite frankly. Yeah, so, they've got Liverpool opening day as well, just like Norwich did last year. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, that'll be a fun one to start with. I tell you what, if they beat Liverpool, it'd be absolutely fantastic. 
That would have been a heck of an atmosphere had we had fans in the ground at Anfield away for the Leeds fans. And and no one takes more than Leeds. <laughs> Absolute losers. Right. Um, beyond that, beyond the questions about how well they're going to do, um, it's not the only recruitment they've made. Held a cost of 16 million. They've got Gerhardt from Wigan, Sam Greenwood in from Arsenal. And the latest news is that they're um, trying to sort out a £30 million deal for Rodrigo de Paul, who... Yeah. He's, he's played amazing, Udinese, so, yeah. and he's an. If you've never seen him play, he's good. He's unbelievably good. He's a goal. He's a midfielder. He's probably going to replace Click in the Belize midfield. He's really wow. good. Really I've good. Not We're heard talking of this guy. double yeah, fingers, right. double it's figures, cool. goals and assists the last couple of seasons. Has he got? Has he got caps for Argentina yet? Yeah, I'm fairly certain. Yeah. But he's. If you've never seen him play, he's a really good player. Um, but that being said, Dave, um, and Mike, you both sort of indicated that you had worries that perhaps they were doing a bit of a Fulham. Um, I think it's completely different to Fulham. Um, but do you guys want to tell me what's similar first? Yeah, I think... The thing is... Uh, I feel this is a lot more controlled than what Fulham did already. Uh, you can tell with these signings that they're well thought out, it seems. Um, and they're making sure it's players. Whereas when it was Fulham, it seems that if any player that had a name or any player that could play a position... Even if they only needed one, they'd just sign them if they were available. Like They signed Seri from Nice and Guissa from Marseille, who were two of the best players in the French League, who basically did the same role. Neither of them came off. They never really fitted into their midfield. They brought players like Callum Chambers, who in theory should have been good. Same with Alfie Mawson. They signed Schürrle, Vieto. They had, they had loads of players that when you saw them sign, you're like, wow, this is a really good signing for a newly promoted team. Maybe even any team in the bottom half, possibly even teams just about top 10. And none of them came off. However, that was because clearly the coaching wasn't there. Thing is with Bielsa is because his style of play is so regimented and this team that these players are coming into have already been playing that for a couple of seasons... I'd sort of trust Bielsa more that these are players fitting into his system rather than making getting players together who are better than what they have and trying to play to their strengths, even though they've never played together before. Um, having said that, there's a world to the end of the market. Leeds could go out on a flurry and sign loads of players and it could go totally wrong. Mm-hmm. Brez, similar, do you think similarly? Uh, I can see why it's being compared because... Both both teams are, are showing decent ambition, I guess, mm-hmm. which uh, not every promoted team does. Um, a few statement signings. I think the Helder Costa one was agreed. At, yeah, anyway, ages ago. Contract. He was uh, he was on loan uh, yeah. with to permanent. He's a good signing as well, to be honest. He's a good but winger. Yeah, if he can get fit again, he should be decent. Yeah. Rodrigo, obviously. They These do seem to fit, and I, I think... As Dave just alluded to, Bielsa is a far better coach than what Fulham had. Um, yeah. And he's got a system which, again, as Dave rightly said, um, everyone that's already there knows their roles. Everyone coming in will be told what their role is. Everyone knows where they fit. Um, and that's a pretty good place to be, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And even if even if some of the players aren't quite there, one thing Bielsa's shown in his couple of years at Leeds is he's he's basically taken a fairly average championship squad 
to should have been promotion last year and promoted as champions this year. He's improved pretty much all the players in that squad almost immeasurably. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, him being there makes this a totally different prospect to what Fulham, Fulham did, really. Also, Alioski in midfield, if you haven't watched him, total madman. I can't wait for him to get out in the Premier League. <laughs> like, total madman. Do you want to know, the, I think the key difference for me between Fulham and Leeds, and this is going to sound like the typical digger. Because you're a Chelsea fan. No, it's going to I hate Leeds too, thank you very much. It's going to sound like a dig at Fulham, and I, I don't mean it actually as a dig at Fulham. It's that, and I know Leeds have been in the Championship for 16 years, but we're not dealing with your typical promoted club with Leeds. Yeah, that's also true. We're dealing with a club that has a different stature. Um, it has a... Leeds in, the, Leeds in the Championship, it's a joke because everyone says, oh, Leeds always take loads, blah, 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 blah. Leeds do always take loads. They're a massive club and they're finally probably back where they deserve to be mm-hmm. uh, with, an app, with, a, with a manager who should not have been managing in the Championship. No, yeah, agreed. Championship and the managers in there shouldn't have been there. He's far too good. You can see it throughout the game and he's, he's influenced some of the best. Pep cites him as an inspiration. Um and with that said, they can afford to go out and they can afford to make these signings that complement the team. Um, Bielsa's involved at every aspect of recruitment. It's not, an, it's not a sense that they're getting names. It's a sense that they're buying players that fit into the team. And I know they got Augustine wrong in January of um, last mm-hmm. year, but I do think that as opposed to Fulham, who were buying players to basically overhaul their squad on day yeah. one, on day one for Leeds, we're going to see the same spine. And that's what's most important is you get a spine, but you improve it in top, with top-class additions, and that's what they're doing. Uh, they also signed Meslier, the young keeper that finished the season. He looked pretty good. They managed to get him on a permanent deal, which I think is pretty huge. Well, Kiko Casilla could never play again, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, agreed. Release him mm-hmm. from contract, the big racist. <laughs> um I just think that Leeds are an absolutely fascinating prospect. And Pablo Hernandez, um, I want to see how he holds up, to be honest. He's 35 now. He is class, but... Replacing his creativity is massive for them. It really yeah. is massive. Um, Calvin Phillips, to be fair, I'm actually excited to see if he lives up to any of the hype. Uh, I, want to see how, I want to see how good he can be. Leeds have also been linked with buying Lewis Cook back from Bournemouth, who, if he can stay fit, I think would be a really, really clever signing, to be honest. Mm-hmm. He's, I've always liked him, but he's just got injury problems. Well, so let's move on to it. The Community Shield. Um, so it was 1-1, Bamiyang and Minamino, um, and then Arsenal won 5-4 on penalties. Um, Dave. Liverpool look lethargic in this game. Liverpool yeah. look lethargic ever since the restart. Um, how worried are you about Liverpool for this season? Uh, I think... I don't know. I feel like they played just so many games last season. And their squad's always been thin. And I know they had that huge time off because of, of COVID and whatever. Um but they've not really had a break. I don't think any of the teams really have. Like, a couple of weeks not training isn't really a full break. Um, 
and yes, they had time off during COVID, but it wasn't it wasn't like normal time off where the players could go and relax. Um, they still had to basically just try and keep fit on them by themselves. So it wasn't exactly a holiday, I don't think, for any of the players. Yeah. Um, I think Liverpool's lack of recruitment is it, going to sting yeah. them. I the squad even last year you sort of felt like it's a well-oiled engine, but if one cog drops who the heck comes in to replace it and it's still the same you can't go into a second season where surely as much as Klopp probably loves all of those players there's you can tell there's a good team atmosphere they all play for each other whatever but surely even they realize that they're like a Van Dyke injury or one of the front three injury or even mm-hmm. like a Henderson or Fabinho injury away from be nowhere near their best and there's mm-hmm. no one in the squad that can come in to replace any of those players. I'm not saying that in fact you could have a sentence about that could come in and replace Van Dyke, but it's not like there's a player just below. It's not like you even have a Joe Gomez to come in next to Joe Gomez. It'd be like <laughs> Matip, who's not bad. You know what I mean? It's not the same mean. level of player. Yeah. Like it's and if if Alexander Arnold or Robertson get injured, you hardly got great backup fullbacks it's mm. quite worried for them to be honest um, yeah, yeah they could well go and prove me wrong but I think this season I think they may find out that they their squad their squad might just get found out for its lack of depth really yeah so they so so for as knackered as they looked in the first half they came out in the second half a bit better they were a bit brighter mm. and they were a bit um they still tailed off towards the end. Um, Breslin. Yes. Now, there's been plenty of times Chelsea have rocked up to the Community Shield after a bad pre-season. And then they've lost the, pre- they've lost the Community Shield. And I think on all occasions after that, we've had a, ter- we've had a disappointing season. Um, how We always talk about how the Community Shield is not a game and not a real game. And this is going to feel a very football manager question in the press conference, but... How big a deal is it for Arsenal to sort of start a season that has a bit of promise with a big win like this? A statement win over the champions? Uh, in brackets, calm. Football calm. manager Thank you, thank uh, you. <laughs> this, uh, no, I think it's actually... I mean, I, I don't particularly rate the Community Shield as a game or, or a trophy either. No, I think but, it's a waste of time. But to win it, I mean, you, you could see in the... Um, in their reaction, how much it meant to them. Yeah. Uh, and Arteta as well. They clearly didn't just see this as a friendly, um, no. like a glorified friendly, basically, which I think you should take it seriously. It's it's a chance to test yourself, maybe not against the full strength of Liverpool, but um, they're going to be one of the better teams in the league and Arsenal are going to be looking to get towards them. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously it builds momentum it's better probably to, I know it was penalties but it's better to beat one of your rivals in a game like this than it is yeah. beating Barnet in a friendly yeah mm. true true um, so actually as much as I, I think it's a pretty nothing game if you win it you can definitely use it to build some momentum and a good atmosphere to start Springboard the season. for future success. Good atmosphere like with that. no fans in the ground. I just like to, just like. Good to atmosphere around the club. I, mean, I know what you're saying. No, I know, I know. I'm just being a prick. 
<laughs> so so um, that's two good wins for Arteta in two big games at Wembley. Um, yeah. Bami, Bamiyan good again. Um, again, easy football manager question here. Um, <laughs> how big is he for Arsenal's hopes this year? Oh, he's huge. Yeah. He's their, he's their star performer, basically. Mm. As we saw quite a few times last year, he could sort of drag drag them to a win just for how good he is or even a point from a game that you'd expect them to lose just because of Bamiang. He's, he's just a great finisher and they they definitely don't have anyone mm-hmm. near that level mm-hmm. so if, into... I was, if I was reading it sorry it no, looked, I, I think the way he was acting it looked, and all the rumours are that he's going to sign a new deal I think it definitely looked like he was yeah. going to stay I think it was, which, which I is think more it was, good news for Arsenal. It is. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing for Arsenal is um, for posterity. We're recording this on a Tuesday, and uh, they just announced Gabriel. Um, they've got Saliba in. Um, got a couple, Mari, I think, signed permanently. They've got yeah. for the first. So you're looking at a back four of you've got uh, Saliba, Gabriel, Bellerin. And Tierney. And you've got David Luiz, because I think the worst thing you could do is throw those two young lads in at the deep end. Yeah. Um, but for the first time since, oh, I don't know, 2014 maybe, Arsenal have got a defence again. Yeah. Like they've, got, they've got decent, promising centre-halves and good full-backs. Um, how, how big a difference is this going to be? They've still got midfield problems they need, but if they can sort out that defence, are you expecting them to push... For the Champions League spaces this year, or are you expecting them to be Europa League? For I, would, I would back them to get on top four. Um, Who drops out? Well, this is what I was going to say. Having said I'd, I'd like them to get around top four, it's going to be down to someone not being at the races as much as Arsenal playing to the top of their capabilities. I think, I think Arsenal playing to their best or maybe like a, a fifth, fifth, sixth in the league. However, that's everyone else around them playing well. Obviously, there's always a, a team one season that doesn't perform. Last year, there was quite a few of them. Um, I'd like to see them get back into the Champions League, but again, that would depend on someone like Chelsea or Man United not having a good season. That would be good I, for this podcast. <laughs> You'd turn yeah. every week, ladies and gentlemen. It would be so. It'd be so angry. Will would be crying, throwing things around the room. Crying. The same from Brad. No, voodoo dolls of Emerson and Luke Shaw. <laughs> it'd be bad. Um, I guess. I guess my question, my other question for the two of you is: Arsenal have also, for the first time in a long time, got two decent keepers. I was going to say that. But you're Leno taking the words out of my mouth. And Emmy Martinez. Um, now the talk is that there's a team in Spain. I think it's Batiste that want Martinez um, for about 20 minutes. Aston, Aston Villa as well. Want Martinez too. Well, um, Martinez, just no, no, no. No, don't do don't, it. Don't do, don't, <laughs> just, just, no, 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 God no. Um, but they've got a bit of a dilemma on their hands. All there's quite a few metrics that like Leno. They say he's a good keeper, but equally there's a lot of times where. I know our friends who are Arsenal fans always suggest he's got a mistake in him and he's not great with his feet. Brez, do you think, if you were in Arsenal's shoes, that Martinez has done enough to um, to take a claim? I think it's pretty hard to drop him at the moment. Yeah. 
I haven't seen him do anything wrong. I, I really haven't since he's come up in the team. And, and this guy's waited eight years for his chance, pretty much, at yeah. Arsenal. He's been out all over the show by the looks of this. He has, yeah. Um, now he, he gets his chance. And it, as far as I can tell, he's, he's pretty much taken it. And usually, usually you measure keepers on, on the gaffes that they make. And I certainly haven't seen him make one since he's come in. Yeah. So, until he makes one, it's, it's going to be pretty hard to drop him. My thing is, he's worth 20 million, right? The figure being quoted is 20 million. You're a little club in uh, West London. And you've got a big Spanish trouting goal. He's not that big. I don't understand why you're not even you're not on uh, you're not all over this. I don't know. The other way you can look at it from Arsenal's point of view is if he's worth twenty million now, which he was probably worth about a million a few weeks ago or a few months ago. Whoa, well, at least three, four million, Mike. Come on. Okay, now. well now, so even if he's that worth he's worth that much, that's we five times. The yeah, value. yeah, yeah. In American sports, they talk about selling high. That you really could. Yeah. If you if you really think Leno's your man. You could cash in, take the but 20 mil. Do we think Leno's the man? What do you think of Leno? I I like Leno. I think the thing is with keepers in the teams he's played with, it's hard to really know how good they are because he makes a lot of saves and sometimes he makes what you would judge as a mistake, but no one calls it a mistake because the defenders have done something worse. As in... He's parried a shot that he's probably not parried to where it should be. But David Luiz has started running on treacle on the six-yard line. And that's what everyone picks up. On the other foot, he's not had a good defence around him. There's only so much he can do. Um, he he seems to make a lot of saves. He's been pretty high up in the whole time he's been at Arsenal for saves and save percentage. Uh, I just... I feel he's maybe a little hard done by, but how can you drop a keeper that's giving you eight out of ten every week and looks like they could do that for a long time? Martinez has not put a foot wrong. You, I, as Mike says, I don't know how you drop him, but I feel Leno hasn't done anything bad. It's not like a, it's not like if Henderson gets a chance at Man United, where Hay has been dropping clangers for like three, four years now. It's it's generally just a keeper's got injured and the guy that you were like, oh, Christ, Martinez is playing again. He was terrible when we played him three or four years ago. Has actually turned up as being a keeper this time. An actual first-team keeper and not, not someone who's clearly a backup. Certainly sounds like he's a keeper. Um, Now, let's move on swiftly. Leave the arsenal in the background because we've been far too positive on this podcast. Do you know what? <laughs> I was I was saying for ages that I'd like Arsenal to get better so we didn't have to keep slating them. But a couple of weeks of this, I want to go back to slating them again. <laughs> Honestly. They sell Bellerin for £30 million to PSG, by the way. I'll be on this podcast giving them hell for leather. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> right. Let's do a quick transfer roundup to talk about some of the other latest news. Um, Messi, lads, unsurprisingly, not going to be allowed out of his contract for free, with La Liga basically saying... No, you're our only big-name draw left other than an over, overweight Eden Hazard and ineffective Griezmann. Um, not a surprise to us, lads. Um, where do you see this one going here? 
Yeah, I mean, this isn't a, a hugely surprising revelation. Uh, there's a couple of claims that City are trying to put together a package and PSG possibly as well, but I just, I can't as see anyone does it doesn't that. include Neymar, Mike. That's all I care about. Unless they come up with some outrageous swap deal and money that somehow Barca accept instead of the release clause, but yeah, I, so, I can't see it. So I, th- I think if you if you're Barcelona, if you get like if you get a hundred million and and a couple of players, you might think about doing this. Um, but that being said, there's no again we say it every time there's no way of knowing how much Messi brings on the other side in terms of endorsements and how many. Mm-hmm. I think Barcelona are up for a couple of renewals in terms of their endorsement deals with various companies. Um, so I want your, I want your thoughts on whether or not you like this transfer. Barca Man City. The what the rumored one is 100 million Mares Silva and Eric Garcia. Mares, I saw Jesus Bernardo Silva and I saw Mares as well. Oh, I saw wow, Jesus. Wow, wow. Right, so do you like that Oof. for City? Uh, for City, well, the good thing is Eric Garcia is leaving anyway, so if you can get rid of him, that works. Mm-hmm. You can get something back for him. Mares, we all, I think all three of us are in agreement. He's a fantastic player. Riyad It would be a shame that he went. Uh, Bernardo, I think you, he didn't have a great year. He may not be quite as high up the pecking order at City these days. So if, yeah. I do really I'm like Bernardo Silva, though. Do you know something? I heard the, I heard the Gabriel Jesus, Bernardo one, and Garcia one as well. as the, I, I saw the Mares one, I'm like, instantly, no. I just know. No, that's a seventy million pound player that you're giving up. But then Jesus, I see, at this point, you, has he really ever hit the ground running? Yeah, maybe it's time to offload him. Maybe it's time. I think the thing with Jesus is he was brought in to replace Aguero and he moved on, and he's not shown that he can be the, the no, finish required for the clubs that you want to be. Bernardo has been there for three seasons. He was superb in his second season, but his first season he took a while to adapt, and then last season he was. Redful. Yeah. Like, he really underperformed. And Garcia, like Mike says, you'd be happy to get a deal for. But 100 million and then three for Messi to me. For all the things Messi brings off the pitch for City in terms of legitimacy, oh, I think I'd do it. Yeah. If so, it's Jesus, I would. If it's Mares, I think it's slightly Barca, Barca too much. win there. Yeah. It's too much. Well, I, I think, don't know if Barca accepted the Jesus one, to be honest. I, I don't know if they would. I think they do. They, I think, I think of, they do too. Think of the front page of the Spanish newspapers. Jesus is coming. Look busy. Um, no, he's not. He's firing it over the bar from six yards. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving to the other big Spanish club. Two wants to tell you about. Caballos is coming back to Arsenal alone. Formed a really good partnership with Jacker. That looks like a smart signing to me. The one that looks like possibly the most Everton signing in the history of anything is James Rodriguez to Everton. What do you two think of this? Because I admittedly I'm biased because I think Everton are one of the worst clubs to ever exist. I like. But what do you think of this? I like Hammers, right? But he's not really performed for a, a couple of seasons. Not that yeah, I've watched he hasn't Hammers performed loads. outside of the World Cup. I was going to say I haven't. I don't watch Hammers week in, week out, but I know that he didn't do particularly well at Bayern. and Didn't do particularly well at Real Madrid either. Yeah, or at Real. And it's like buying Hammers Rodriguez does not matter when you're still having to play Tom Davis in the bloody pivot. 
Well, What's the point? That's the other thing. They've also announced Probably going to get Allen. So Allen's a good sign. You just know Tom Davis gets turned into some other position so they have a scouse lad in the team. He's going to so, be up top with Calvert-Lewin next year. Watch it happen. So Allen's a good signing. Um, both these players have crucially worked with Carlo Ancelotti before. Um, with Allen, he's 29. 25 million seems a good price for him. You imagine that he's a tough player that adapts to Premier League. Hammers Rodriguez is a mercurial mercurial talent who struggled in Spain he to me he's not over he's not overly quick I've got I've got real worry about him adapting to the he's pace of the Premier League this one either comes off or it really just doesn't and I've got a bad feeling it's going to be the second one Hammers is basically the same player as Gilfie Sigurdsson with a lot more talent he's just going to play in behind the strikers He's got great technical ability, but he's so slow. Gilfie Sigurdsson is like a shopping trolley in that midfield. <laughs> Here's my thing about Everton. is they, They've done this for a few years. When they go to a big club and they buy a player for a lot of money, and every time they buy him, I sort of go, well, you could have probably spent that money better. Like when they bought Moise Keane, after six months of, for 30 million after six months I was sort of like yeah if that comes off it's a good signing and then they, it was the same with Schneiderlin they bought him for a lot of money yeah if it comes off he wasn't good at United but if it comes off it's a good signing and they never come off whereas when they bought when they did their scouting properly they went and bought a Drissagana guy it was a genius move it was a great move and I just I always wonder whether they're too worried about appeasing their fans who think they need to be a big club and at this point Everton just need a good season They've been terrible for the last couple of years. Like, really bad. It's so inconsistent. I feel sorry for Lucas Dinier, to be honest. It's like he's been held hostage by a Wobie at this point. I feel sorry for Lucas Dinier because he couldn't defend a paper bag. Um, My other other worry for Everton, though, is... We talked about this last time with Gabamon. Like, Alan replaces Guy, right? But they're still... Their defence isn't great. They've still got holes at keeper. Why are they spending all this money on a luxury player in, in James Rodriguez? I don't understand what they recruit. I don't understand their recruitment at all. I don't understand how their defence doesn't work, though. That's a weird thing. Like, Yerry Mina, Michael Keane and Mason Holgate shouldn't play that badly as a back three. Well, it's but somehow they that, look Dave. horrendous It's interesting you, interesting you say that, Dave, because of the three you mentioned there, you didn't mention a single good player. They're not. Yeah, they're not I good. Don't like any of those. They're not good. Particularly Holgate, I think he's a clown. I think Holgate's a clown, but Everton fans love him for some reason. But Yerry Mina looks really slow to me, and he Michael Keane's got a mistake on him. Michael Keane makes so many mistakes. Yeah, that's and uh, there's too many gaps at the back of that thing. Until so they sort the so they sort out the spine there, team. I can't see him going anywhere. Anyway, I don't want to spend any more time on him. Unless either of you have got something you want to say about Everton. I'd just, I'd just say they're just genuinely not a good team. They've got a long way to go. No. No. They might not even be top half, even with these signings. Speaking of not generally good teams, let's talk about Newcastle and Villa briefly, because they're after Callum Wilson. And my question to you is, guys, both of these teams need a proven Premier League goalscorer. Is Callum Wilson a proven Premier League goalscorer? I'm not sure. For about 10 games a season. Yeah. what He scores 12 goals a season exclusively in 10 games of the season. And Callum Wilson's been 
had a real problem of injuries for like mm-hmm. his entire career. Even when he was back at Coventry, uh, he did his knee ligaments, I think. He had a pretty lengthy knee injury anyway, and it feels like he sort of hasn't ever been free from injuries since then. It's rare that you get more than 25 games out of him a season where he's what, properly fit. What would we call a prolific Premier League, well, like a decent lower Premier League striker? How many goals a, a season do we expect? 12, 12 plus. Yeah. 12. 12 plus. Okay, so yeah, in the last five seasons, Wilson's done that once. We've got 14. So it's probably still an upgrade on both of their strikers, but at this point, the amount of money Rude van Nist- cost. At this point, Rude van Nistelrooy at his age now on crutches is better than Wesley and Samata, the absolute cart horses. I'd back, I'd back van Nistelrooy Will. to score more. What, what are your <laughs> thoughts, Will? Well, my thought is that until Villa. Um, construct an actual football team that it doesn't matter who they've got up front they could have my nan up front and it doesn't matter they're going to offer the same thing until they find a game plan that's more sustainable than give the ball to Jack Wilshire get down on our Jack knees and Wilshire. pray Where Jack Wilshire until <laughs> they give the ball to Jack Grealish get down on their knees and pray there's nothing they can do Jack Wilshire actually would be better up front than Wesley though I will give you that I think Callum Wilson's a bad signing as far as I'm concerned, yeah, probably proved me wrong and scored 25 goals for the Villa as Jack Wilshere leads them to Europe. Yeah, I'm moving on from Callum Wilson. Uh, Brez, Van der Beek, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, good, pretty good. Mm. Just, just options. Yeah, that's we, the key thing, isn't it? Yeah, we. Uh, I mean, Fred's Fred's been good, but we we'll, we get to play him a bit less. Matic's legs are are starting to struggle, although I I really like him. Um, gives Pogba and Fernandez probably a bit of a break as well. This is pretty smart, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, I like it. Fixes a problem for United because Fernandez and Pogba, um, they were sort of worn into the ground a bit um, at by the end of last year. Like, and there's, as we mentioned earlier, a lot of games to be played this year. Squad rotation is key. Van der Beek probably not going to play alongside the two of them. He does his best as a locker, plays in the final third, much like Fernandes and Pogba. But I like, when I saw him play against um, against us in Champions League again, I really liked him. I thought he was a tidy little player. Yeah, and watching him in that Ajax run to the semis the year before in the Champions League, he was fantastic in a lot of their games. He's the, the thing Often always imp- popped up with a goal as well. Well, that's the thing with him that always imp- always impressed me when I saw him. Um, and you can see it particularly in his goal that he scores uh, at the bridge is that he he's so calm and he sort of like, he took the ball, placed it and they didn't stand a chance. Like Kepa didn't stand, Kepa, who I've criticised a lot, did not stand a chance. It was such a calm, composed finish. He was a really good player. And um, that was one of those signings where I looked at it, I'm like, good price for him as well. Yeah, um, finally, United getting a good price. 40-0, yeah. I still think United need um, recruitment on the wings because they're, um, they're, uh, they're an injury. Yeah, an injury Dan away. Dan James away. He's playing a lot of games. And Dan James, I don't know. Dan James is just like a greyhound. Someone throws the ball. He get he he's tearing after it, but he's doing nothing once he gets there. I think he still thinks he's on the relay track. That's what I think. It looks like that when he crosses it. I'm not I'm not convinced by him. Um 
Yeah. No, neither. But he's not a bad little squad player, I suppose. You just don't want him playing too many minutes. Uh, so he's a good squad player then, Mike. He's, he's, no, he, no, he's not a bad player to bring off the bench in a late game where where United are playing a big team, though. The problem, with, the problem with him is if he doesn't have space, he, he struggles. So he's not useful against low blocks, which is what United and the big United teams like Chelsea face a, and Man City face a lot. That's my worry slightly about Timo Werner, is that Timo Werner, although he can link play and he get he, his last year at Leipzig, he got much better at that. He he really does thrive on the space in behind, um, and teams tend to not give space to these teams in behind at home. So it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts, but. I think it's even more acute with Dan James, who perhaps hasn't got the all-around game team that Werner has. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think James is anywhere near as good at linking. I don't think James is good at linking at all. Well, in, in other great United news, apparently Lingard and Pereira have been told they can leave, so that is excellent. Just get them out. Do you know what's really going to hurt? Is when, when Lingard... Lingard... Lingard posts on Instagram that he's leaving and every Man United fan calls him a great servant to the club. Jailings. Jailing. That's it. really going to hurt, Mike. And do you know oh, where he's going? Everton. Yeah, Everton. He's one. Yeah, they keep buying United. He's 1,000% going to Everton. Pereira will go to like Real Betis or something. Yeah. Pereira's going to Villa. <laughs> I can just see it now. Villa he probably, go Villa on. Signed United mid- midfielder. <laughs> just when I thought I couldn't see someone worse in the midfield than Danny Drinkwater. Excuse me. Good player. Anyone wants him, let us know. Um, if you would like to sign Danny Drinkwater, please email us at inlarampod.gmail.com. <laughs> you can also send us questions there for the next month. Dave, if the people want to keep up with you to find out more all about why you might have to get a Neymar tattoo on the bottom of your foot, where can they do that? Uh, Dave Harris underscore 44. But if that does happen, Will, I will be deactivating the socials until people shut up about it. Uh, and it will be live streamed directly on the inlarampod.gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. Everything, in fact, not just the email, everything. Um, Mr. Breslin, if the people want to follow you for, I don't know, some illuminating transfer news and profiles, such as maybe why there's a Samba sensation heading to the north. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he is is already there, at least. Oh, he is. is. Have you got any more player cops you want? Do you want to compare compare Timo Werner to uh, Pele? I don't know if you want to go for that one. You got any more ludicrous things you want to claim? (laughs) Uh, no, but if you do want to see them when they when they drop, at Mikey Breslin, or or you can just follow us, yeah, at in and around Pod. You can do that on Twitter. You can follow me at Will Hunt Seventeen, but like Mike says, please don't, please instead follow us at in and gmail dot com. Um, until next time, uh, we'll see you around. Cheers. Cheers.